0: Hi, and welcome to week one of our Kingdom of God study, and this is the second video. And in this video, we're going to look at the historical context of Jesus' ministry, kind of the political and social things that were going on before Jesus' time and during Jesus' time. Now, the Old Testament ends with Israel in something of a a lukewarm position. They had just been allowed to return from a Babylonian exile so they could go back to their homeland, although not that many actually return, but some decide, maybe even a majority decide, that life is better for them in Babylon or elsewhere in the Middle East. But those who do return to their homeland, they rebuild Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple, but it's not near as grand as the original one. And the Jewish people are now wrestling with those promises that God made their founding father Abraham, that they would be a great nation and a blessing to the world, and yet they're struggling to barely hold themselves together. And in those 400 or so years that separate the ending of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, a couple important things happen that are helpful to know about. Uh, First is the rise of Alexander the Great. Uh, You probably remember hearing about him in your history classes or watching videos about him. And Alexander the Great unified the Greek city-states and then moved east from there, overthrowing the Persian Empire, which included at that point the land of Israel. And he loved all things Greek. He loved Greek food and Greek culture and and Greek uh, art and and all of that. And so his goal, as he conquered things, he wanted to spread Greek culture everywhere. And this was called Hellenization. And it worked. It worked so well, actually, that when the Romans later came and conquered much of that same land, uh, Latin, their language, was not the, the language that took over, but Greek and Greek culture and Greek religion actually stayed even after the Romans had conquered. Now the Jews didn't resist Alexander's conquest and they were allowed some autonomy and were allowed to continue their temple worship even though they were kind of under Alexander's empire. But after Alexander the Great's death, there was a power struggle in the Greek kingdom for who would succeed him. And uh, so that kingdom broke up into two dynasties that fought uh, continually for land and the land of Palestine, the land of Israel was right in the middle of where those two dynasties were fighting. One of these dynasties was ruled by a man by, named by Antiochus IV. He ruled from 175 to 163 BC. And he saw that Judaism was a threat to the peace of the land and determined to make Palestine a thoroughly Hellenistic state, meaning a Greek cultured state. And because of an earlier defeat with a rising Roman emperor, or sorry, rising Roman army, Uh, Antiochus had to pay tribute to Rome as a condition of his surrender, so he had to get that money from somewhere, and the way he got that money was by looting the treasures in the Jerusalem temple. He also put the office of Jewish high priest up for sale, and he would only sell it to people that would pursue his agenda of making Palestine and the Jews more Greek. Now, he worked to turn Jerusalem into a Greek city. So he built a gymnasium for the sports right below the temple grounds. Greek games were held. He even financed operations uh, to reverse the effects of circumcision for the Jews there. He saw the Jewish religion as a threat. And, And this led to one of the first major divisions in Judaism. There were those Jews that embraced Hellenization, right? We need to get with the times. Come on, guys, this is our future. But then there were also those who were suspicious of those changes, and they resisted, often pulling away from that Greek influence to create their own subcultures where they could preserve true Judaism. And that movement was called Hasidism, meaning holy ones, and actually we still see a, basically a, the child of that movement today with Hasidic Judaism. Now Antiochus wanted to expand his empire, and so he knew he couldn't go north towards Rome, so he decided to go south towards Egypt and take over parts of that. But as he got into Egypt, he was re- met by a Roman diplomat telling him that he would either need to turn back or face the wrath of Rome. And he knew he didn't stand a chance against Rome, so he was forced to be humiliated and, uh, humiliated and re- retreat back into Palestine. So he wanted somewhere to vent his anger, and he took his anger out on the Jews in Jerusalem because many of them were sympathetic to Egypt. And so he looted the temple. He destroyed the city walls. He killed thousands of citizens. He outlawed Sabbath observance and circumcision and many of the Old Testament laws. Copies of the Old Testament were confiscated and burned at an altar to, and an altar to Zeus was set up in the Jewish temple. These were some of the darkest days for God's people. Their religion was about to be wiped out from the earth. And so a growing number of people believed unless we stand up and do something, our culture, but more importantly, our religion is about to be stamped out. So in 166 BC, a Syrian ruler commanded an elderly priest named Metathias to offer sacrifices to the pagan gods. But he refused to do that. Now I'm a Jew, I, it's, it would be offensive to my God and my religion to do this. But then a different younger Jew stepped forward and offered to make those sacrifices. Metathias was so furious at this uh, that though he was old, he found within him enough strength to kill the Jewish man who is about to offer the sacrifices, and the Syrian ruler who basically ordered him to do that, and then also destroy the pagan altar. And as they see this kind of older guy just beating up all these people, it motivates all the other Jews, and he ends up gathering an army of rebels to fight against Antiochus. And after three years of war, the Jews finally liberate the temple and are able to restore pure worship. Uh, back in the temple in in Jerusalem. And this victory is now remembered every year by Jews with uh, the holiday of Hanukkah. And the Jews had finally regained some independence. But then in 63 BC, Jerusalem was conquered by the Roman general Pompey. And the Romans appointed Jews who were loyal to Rome to help rule over the land. And this is where the Herodian dynasty comes from. The first was Herod the Great, who ruled during Jesus' birth. So this kind of brings us up to Jesus, the time that Jesus was born. And during this time, there were several key groups in Jerusalem. And let's look at a couple of them. Uh, First, the Sadducees. Now, uncertain where they came from, we don't know where they came from. But probably they came from priestly families in the Jewish aristocracy. Now, during Jesus' time, they were in power, and they controlled the priesthood and the Sanhedrin, which is kind of the the ruling group of Jews. And because of their political involvement, they were more open to Hellenistic influence. That's how they got into power. That's how they stayed in power. And because they had power, they wanted to maintain the status quo. They were okay with the Romans ruling over them. The other main group was the Pharisees, and these uh, Pharisees came out of Hasidism, the pious Jews who rejected the Hellenization of the Jewish culture. They were mostly middle class lay people, and though the Sadducees had more power, the Pharisees were actually more popular among the people. And they believe that at Mount Sinai, God gave Moses both a written Torah, which we have in the books of Moses, first five books of the Bible, but then also an oral law, which elaborated on what he said uh, to Moses in the Torah. Some people nowadays believe that the uh, Pharisees were essentially trying to apply all of the Old Testament purity laws for priests and Levites to themselves, kind of of making themselves an even greater class of uh, of Jews because they were even more strict about how they lived. And they had a strong hope for the coming of a Messiah who was the son of David. And if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that these two groups are often fighting against each other, but we're able to find a common enemy in Jesus. Okay, so now with that background, remember there was this widespread hope for a promised Messiah to come. And the Jews believed that he would be the king who would destroy Israel's occupiers and reestablish her independence as a nation. And we see that longing in some of the Jewish writings around Jesus' time. For instance, in the Psalms of Solomon, which was popular with the Pharisees in 1 AD. So this is not a book in the Bible, but an ancient writing in that kind of pre-Jesus time. It says, Behold, O Lord, and raise up unto them their king, the son of David, at the time known to you, O God, in order that he may reign over Israel, your servant, and gird him with strength, that he may shatter unrighteous rulers, and that he may purge Jerusalem from Gentiles who trample her down to destruction. Wisely, righteously, he shall thrust out sinners from the inheritance. He shall destroy the arrogance of the sinner as a potter's jar. With a rod iron, he shall shatter all their substance. He shall destroy the godless nations with the word of his mouth, at his rebuke, shall flee before him he shall reprove sinners for the thoughts of their heart so we can see here very strong language right this expressed their longing for essentially a hero to come and make their nation great again larry hellier writes the literature of the second temple so that you know time at the from the end of the old testament to the beginning of the new testament leaves no doubt that there was an intense longing by many jews for national liberation The Gospels must be read against the backdrop of a strong expectation that God would soon act to re-establish the Davidic dynasty. So this is the world that Jesus was operating in. And to understand that, it allows us to better understand some of the things that we see in the Gospels. And in the next video, we're going to actually look at some specific examples of how Jesus' kingdom is contrasted to the prevailing idea of what the kingdom would be.